In a faraway slice of the Megaverse, the inhabitants of Blova are preparing for a mission to a mysterious, primitive planet. What they find there will change the course of their history forever. And maybe yours, too. Put on some headphones and harness the power of your imagination with the illustrated podcast, Flovatar, a just odyssey. Everything was not okay for the Flovans in Florence. In less than 30 minutes, the porthole to Greece and Pythagoras would open. Not only were they still captives of an increasingly sauce Piero Medici and his men, they hadn't had time to get the porthole's coordinates before the Game Boy had gone kaput. They were also getting sore backsides from sitting on the marble floor. It was terribly impractical to use as flooring. Sometimes the richest people have the worst taste. They needed electricity, a distraction, and the favor of the gods. Judging by the harsh look on the friar's face, the favor of the earth gods was probably out of the question. If we could harness electricity, I think we'll be able to power the Game Boy back to life, Nostos whispered to Franklin. We should use the onions to create a a battery, she nodded. He was impressed that she had caught up so quickly. How do you make a battery? Galen asked. Gail, don't you get sick of asking them questions that just make you feel stupid? Paul quipped. Well, you'd need an anode, like copper, cathode, like zinc and electrolytes like the kind that Mahomes needs in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Nostos paused. He might as well have been speaking French. Uh, I wonder, though, if we charged these onions with dust, would that be enough? We need to get out of this room first. Gellin, can you break free from your binds? Gellin's ropes, torn almost completely by his super strength, were hanging on by a small thread. One easy tug, and they would be undone. He would be free to take on some of the henchmen, but he would need help. He couldn't battle them all himself, though, admittedly, he would have loved to try. Piero Medici was several goblets of wine deep, his lips stained a deep burgundy. The candlelit room glowed as he argued with one of his surly goons about who was the loveliest woman at the ball, though they didn't quite use those respectful terms. All right, that's Frenchman, Piero slurred. I'm intrigued. Show me your politics. Where is this magical dirt that you will speak of? Ah, well, you will have to let me use the magical extractor. Nostos nodded toward a dustbuster. Untie me, and I'll show you how you can harness it for your own benefit. The friar shook his head to indicate his displeasure with the idea, but once Piero had heard that something would benefit him, his mind was set. He ordered his guard, TJ, to untie the elder Floven. TJ begrudgingly put down his fifth piece of cake to do his boss's bidding. He handed Nostos the dustbuster. Nostos's eyes darted around the room and his hands shook. He would only have one shot at extracting enough dust to cause a distraction while collecting enough to power the onion. He would have to decide which item was guaranteed to have it. He knew that dust could be generated by humans. It was not likely to be in mass-produced items until usage but the usage rate didn't correlate directly to levels of dust either. It seemed to need some emotional connection to the creator or user, some level of care and imagination. It was impossible to ignore the sculpture in the corner any longer. It was a replica of an ancient god holding a bronze globe that represented the earth in its arms. The globe was almost half of the size of a massive statue. 
If Nostos could get that thing rolling into a few of these columns holding the ceiling up... Who created that sculpture? Nostos inquired. Piero scoffed. Some artists... I shan't even remember his name. He wasted a great deal of time perfecting the different curvatures of this man's buttocks. This was the answer Nostos was anticipating. He walked over to the giant statue that held the globe and took a dust reading. It was off the charts. Well, we're waiting. Nostos affixed the nozzle of the former cordless vacuum cleaner to the statue's bicep and pulled the trigger. As his invention extracted copious amounts of dust from its alabaster body, the statue became gray and limp. And then it began to crumble. Gellin, now! The bronze sphere crashed onto the floor and rolled into a previously sturdy column, knocking it loose and causing the ceiling to cave in. Plaster and mud rained down onto the Italians as they scrambled to take cover. Through the chaos, a liberated Gellin used his multi-pen to disarm six, nearly seven henchmen. Franklin rolled into a jagged piece of plaster and sawed the rest of her rope off. She broke free and untied Paul. He stuck out his foot as a goon ran toward him tripping the burly Italian into this uglier twin brother. Gellin turned his sights toward the drunken fool Piero and forcibly pushed him to the ground. He tied the simpleton and the dastardly friar together using his own rope. The name is Gellin. Fedo Gellin. As they slipped out of the room, Nosto shouted over his shoulder. Piero, I know you're angry with me, but trust me. Tell Columbus to bring back tomatoes from the Americas. You'll thank me later. They escaped the palace and tucked into an alleyway as more of Medici's men plowed past them. Franklin had swiped some of the onions and they put them on the ground, preparing to infuse them with dust and create a current that would re-up the rechargeable batteries. Mm, We don't have a cord to connect it. Just plop the Game Boy in the middle of one. Why do these things have so many layers? Paul cried as he ripped open a hole to insert the Game Boy. They all held their breath because of the tension and the smell of the onions. Nostos held the dust buster to the side of the vegetables. We're dealing with raw dust. Hold on to your butts! The dust swelled into the produce and the onions lit up like ethereal orbs sent from the heavens. The Game Boy flipped on and slowly crept to 1% battery life. What does it say? Gellin wheezed through tearful eyes, snuff running from his nose. The screen depicted a gothic cathedral with its bulging dome as the focus of the display. After a brief second... The onions overpowered with dust and exploded, spraying them all with rancid vegetable debris. But it was simple to ascertain where they needed to go. It was the Duomo di Firenze. The iconic building had been completed this century, with its slick marble basilica and brick dome attracting believers from around the region, and eventually from around the world. Let's go! Fifteen minutes until the porthole opens, and it could be anywhere on the cathedral grounds. We're right around the corner. Wait, what about Rebus? I'll leave him. He's been nothing but a nuisance to us. Gellin shook his head. I'm not losing another team member. (laughs) That's funny, because you're usually an expert at leaving people behind who don't suit your needs anymore. Guys! Paul, are you going to hold a grudge against me your entire life? After everything we've been through on this mission? Guys! Mission? Wow! You know what they say, a likey never changes its markings. Gentlemen! Nostos thundered. He pointed back toward the Medici palace at the aforementioned Rebus, sheepishly wandering toward the group with his streamer in his back pocket and multiple lipstick stains on his collar. I, uh, was sampling the local goods. Oh, please don't tell my boss. Paul smacked him on the back, partly in a good work gesture and partly in a get-yourself-moving gesture. 
the foreigners tore through the Florence streets, through the piazza, and into the front door of the Duomo. They moved so quickly, Nostos wasn't sure how anyone could have thought they were French. The inside of the Duomo was huge, with various corridors leading down potential paths to freedom or despair. Where is it? Gellin yelled, his voice echoing through the marble arches. The colossal clock over the main entrance clanged to indicate that they had only moments before the porthole would open. I have a theory. Of course. Paul teased. She shot him a nasty look, and he added, I'm being supportive. Where is the porthole, oh great scientist? (sighs) Where is there a high concentration of dust? Somewhere that it could have been building over time? A bell clanged, and the sonorous waves shook the entire cathedral. Paul winked at her. The tower! Taking the steps two at a time, they scurried toward the top of Giotto's tower with nearly no time to admire the precious sculptures or hexagonal marble panels that adorned the walls. By the time they made it up all 414 stairs, they nearly had to roll themselves into the open porthole that unveiled itself next to the bell. For the first time in the journey, the harried Flovens didn't end a trek through time and space by landing smack in the middle of an unknown climate. When they were spit out into 520 BC, all five of them found themselves hitting a wooden floor in the midst of a sizable sleeping quarters. The room was filled with the hairiest, most chiseled men that Franklin had ever seen. They continued to sleep on beds of straw, stirring only slightly at the mild annoyance of a group of colorful aliens free-falling into their lives. Ow! Paul pulled a splinter out of his hand. Shh! Franklin warned as she caught her breath. We don't want to wake this group of specimens. The house was packed with competitors for the upcoming Olympiad, the ancient athletic competition that would spawn sporting events and cultural phenomena throughout the next three millennia. Since he had fallen to Earth, Nostos had watched the modern games on television every two years. He even found himself chanting, USA, USA, as Michael Phelps won eight consecutive gold medals for swimming one year. Nostos attempted to take up the sport that summer, but his floven arms and legs couldn't keep him above water, so Mel had forced him to stay in the kiddie pool. A barely clothed man entered the room and clanged the bell, awakening the competitors. He steered them all out the door, not noticing the additional stocky shapes who hid behind the Herculean bodies of aspirational champions. As they stomped toward the holy Panhellenic sanctuary dedicated to Zeus, the amount of testosterone gave Franklin a headache. The games attracted attention from all over the region, and not just from athletes. Poets, artists, musicians, vendors, and spectators from around the country were given safe passage to attend the celebration. There was dancing, feasting, singing, thinking, and to Gelin's chagrin, copious nudity. So they've run out of fabric during this time period? Gelin lamented, shielding his eyes. I'm sorry to tell you that I need you to keep your eyes peeled. We're on the lookout for a man named Pythagoras. Oh, I could pinch myself from the thought of meeting so many famous humans. All I need now is to meet Beyonce, and I can go back to Flova, a happy camper. (laughs) Who? Can Beyonce help us power this Game Boy back up again? Oh, I nearly forgot. Take the backup solar panel off Rebus' streamer. It should give us enough electricity to power the Game Boy full time. Franklin put out her hand and demanded the streamer from the Starflix operator. He held it closer to his chest. We could have used this while you were busy doing the tour to Italia. If you ever want to get home, hand it over. He relented, and she got to work, disassembling the panel. Paul had nearly passed out from the amount of dust in the air, 
His supply of precious goods had dwindled. He needed to look for some earth drugs again, and he trailed towards a group of naked Grecians rolling around in some mud. That had to be the place to score. There he goes again. Let him do what he needs to survive. He'll be back. As Paul approached the raucous group, he saw an oxen tied to a tree, and he stopped to pet the horned beast. He used his philosophy to identify the creature when a muddy man approached him, and before Paul could start his usual, I'm looking for something spiel, the human untied the creature and led it toward the temple. The golden avatar continued its explanation. During the Olympiad, sacrifices were made to the various gods, and more than 100 oxen were normally slaughtered as tribute to Zeus. Paul shuddered. Hopefully, no one confused him for an animal that needed to be sacrificed. The rest of the group spread out amongst the attendees, investigating each section of the event before the opening ceremonies could begin. Instead of precious medals that contemporary Olympic champions could win, olive branch crowns or wreaths were given to the winners in ancient Greece. Nostos and Franklin wandered up to the tent that held these illustrious crowns, curious like any good scientist would be. State your business in the prize section, please, a young servant boy demanded. He was far too young to be acting this official, in Nostos' opinion. We're, um, competitors. The boy looked at her sharply. We don't allow women competitors at the Olympics. Well, I'm not a woman. I'm a Flovatar. And then she dropped her voice. Uh, it's just the way we, uh, Flovatarian men wear our hair that's confusing you. Quivering, he let her pass and they were able to examine the rows of olive crowns up close. The winner of each event would claim one of these as their trophy. The leafy circular wreaths, which the locals called Cotinos, consisted of branches from a sacred wild olive tree that grew at Olympia. Nostos used his philosophy to learn about the ancient myths that guided the tradition of the game when he saw a glint of red shining atop the branches of the natural crowns. What the? He took a reading. He gasped under his breath as the avatar babbled back to him. It was as he suspected. It was Portalium, the element that intertwined with the Game Boy and allowed the Flovens to find the portholes. He coughed discreetly so that Franklin would look in his direction. She was preoccupied, looking at a small statue of one of the Greek gods. He coughed again, louder and louder, until he was hacking up the innards of his lungs. Are you okay? Are, are you choking? He sighed and pointed at the crown. She wiped her glasses with the sleeve of her rainbow shirt, which was tattered from her journey through time and space. When she recognized the gem, she gasped exactly like Nostos had moments earlier. One of the contestants next to him gave them a suspicious glance. This is a much more concentrated form of this element. We may not even need the Game Boy anymore. They can open portholes for us. Use the Dustbuster to cause another distraction and I'll swipe one of them. He laughed at her. <laughs> you will swipe it. You're becoming quite devious here on Earth. If we have it, it'll be easier to find a way back to Japan and save Fasco. Nostos nodded approvingly. She continued. Look at this statue. This is clearly a Flovin. Gosh... It really resembles one of my scientific apprentices named Spencerus, actually. Same stubby mohawk. He must have been to this country, too. He landed here even before us. We need to use the element to go back throughout time and rescue all the Flovins from the mission. Before they could formulate Franklin's first ever unscrupulous plan to steal an olive crown, servants whisked away the prizes to be exhibited at their public venues, the middle of the marble temple dedicated to Zeus. Franklin turned away from Nostos, her gaze moving towards Gellin, practicing discus throwing with the other contestants. His tosses sailed clear, meters past the rest of the attempts. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? 